You are listening to the GritCast podcast. All right. We are live. All right. Back in the GritCast studio. Um, welcome, guys. We've got Nicholas Merch and Naewon from Purpose Investments. Um, you guys are the new breed. You're like the new up-and-coming portfolio managers, gatekeepers. Um, you're the new guards, essentially. Um, I don't want to be ageist here, but like there are some older people on Bay Street who may not understand these cool new trends, right? They might not get cannabis. Well, they're starting to get it now <laughs> after the massive bull market, but esports, certainly not blockchain, some of the fintech stuff. So yeah, love to hear, how did you guys end up in the seats that you're at today, um, managing money? Maybe we'll start with Nick and, and then Naewon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I got a pretty diverse background. I actually started off in private equity um, and did a lot of uh, equity research. So I was an equity research analyst over at Haywood um, covering the tech space and then did a year of actually sort of back on the infrastructure space and renewable energy, a really cool sort of battery tech company as well. Um, but then it kind of got to the point where, hey, I wanted to come back to the capital markets and um, just knew Greg had a really solid track record. Um, and he was running just a, a bunch of funds and I think he could use a little bit of help on the tech side, um, just on the innovators fund there. Um, so I got the opportunity to move there and mm -hmm. for the past sort of year and a bit, I've been um, helping him run that. Um, and he's great on the macro side. He just knows the market inside and out. Um, whereas I'm more of sort of a, a micro stock picker myself. So it was with natural synergy there. You really drill down. I, I remember we did a phone call on an esports deal way back and not way back, like a few months back. And I was like, holy shit, this guy, like I used to be on your side at the table, but you had like, you were drilling, drilling, drilling down. Like you take it apart layer by layer. So I was impressed with uh, with your level of DD, due diligence. Thanks. For those who don't know it. And, and you've heard of Greg, that's Greg Taylor, right? Who yep. runs the... Multiple funds, the innovators. He's got the marijuana also yeah. mm -hmm. ETF. Didn't that just win an award? I feel like that fund uh, just won an award, or he won an award. So there was the best performer of Q or Q one best performer Morningstar. Okay. And then we did the same thing in Q three last year. And we're that fund or that sorry that ETF was early out of the gate, right? Wasn't it one of the first in the space? So actually, in terms of active, we're the first active ETF out there. Um, in the cannabis space, at least, everything else has been passive. We've seen a couple of new active funds come out out now this year, but uh, yeah, pretty early on in that game. And for those who don't know Purpose, I mean, if you haven't been on an Air Canada flight and haven't seen the ad where Sam says, investing with Purpose, um, you know, I think he's got like has to have an awesome deal with Air Canada because those ads have been running for years now. And I have to say. Even if they're not everyone's cup of tea, people talk about those ads and they work, in, in my opinion. So we get the most amount of recognition from that. You'd be <laughs> amazed at the number of times people have mentioned that ad to me and all I ever respond is, <laughs> I'm somewhere in the background. Are you actually, are you <laughs> yeah. in the background? Yeah, I'm just like really dark in the corner somewhere. I have a question though, because he puts his email address like on that video. He is, answers every single one of those does emails. He That's legit? I. Uh, Kid you not, <laughs> I have gotten emails from him two o'clock at night saying, Nuan, what's the answer to this that a, a random person has asked me? Wow, I love that. Touch points, right? Yeah, no, he's very engaged with his end investors. He's always thought about, you know, proliferating these industry and making it go away from the very sort of structured, um, it's, it's, it's very structured. Like and boring. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to use that word, but yeah. And uh, But what he wants to do is really wants to engage his investors and show them that there's another way to do things. There's a newer way. There's, you know, a more direct and engaged way to do things. And that's why I think we also... Uh, resonate really well with retail clients, not just advisors. Yeah, I completely agree. And we were just chatting about this before we went live about 
the millennial investors and the clients and new technology and how it's so important to communicate in different ways because I think that you know just doing it how it's traditionally been done where it's just like messaging out and no receiving back like Instagram's awesome you can put polls you know you can do likes messages like it's just this constant feedback loop so um, I think it's amazing if you guys aren't active on Instagram I highly recommend it it's like doing arts and crafts in real time um, but Nawan so tell us like how what's your background how'd you end up uh, running the cannabis money so uh, funny thing is, I met Sam at a uh, investor event he had out in Vancouver about five years back, and I started just like picking his brain on. I, I was doing my master's then. Uh, I did an MSc in finance out at SFU, um, Vancouver, and uh, I was just picking his brain as to what he thought about quantitative investments. He got me involved into thinking about how to, you know, uh, think about investments in a low cost but risk balanced uh, quantitative sense. And uh, you know, six months later, I was out in Toronto working for him. So I helped launch all the quantitative ETFs between 2015 and 2018. So I was uh, you know, part of the product development team, did 22 launches. Wow. Um, it was a great learning experience, really got in depth into uh, different industries in a quantitative sense. Then when we started doing niche investments, mm -hmm. that's when uh, this space really started rolling out. And then, uh, you know, under the leadership of Greg again, uh, who's just got a great macro brain. I'm sort of doing Nick's role over in the cannabis space where about a year, year and a half ago, I came over and started really doing deep dives into the cannabis names, trying to you know find out what the themes are and defining the themes and the beta and really starting to get some, um, really starting to establish thought leadership in the space. Right, and tell us what active management really is. Like what's an ETF with active management? It's like you got a core portfolio and you're trying to add some alpha along the uh, along the extremities. Yeah, so one of the things that we did that uh, was really cool and started this industry, or I think we, I would like to think of us as leaders in this industry is, Active management has been done in mutual funds forever because what you can do is you're not at the end of the day, so nobody really cares when you buy an investment, everything's in line. But what we did was we cleaned up communication between our exchange partners, which are our market makers and mm -hmm. ourselves, so mm -hmm. we can make trades midday and use that active model in an ETF format. Uh, whereas, you know, ETFs historically have been very passive. You just hold a portfolio for a quarter and then it rebalances over. So we make multiple trades every day. But what we do is we keep engaged our partners so that, you know, our clients get the best pricing. And that was usually the issue. So that's where we've really gone forward and really opened up this space. Um, so in active management, what we're doing is picking the best ideas that have nothing to do with passive indices and coming up with our own thesis on every single company on the lateral they're based in, on the theme that they're belonging to, and uh, building a fund around that. So it's purely an alpha fund. And how many funds in AUM now total at the at purpose? So that's a good, difficult question. I know we have six and a half billion dollars in AUM. Six and, and a half billion, eh? Forty-five eh? million, wow. forty-five funds, not forty-five million. <laughs> Feels like six point five Bs. Nice. Okay, and yeah. yeah, you guys. I was looking at some of the funds that you have. So there's the Innovators Fund. So that's mm -hmm. definitely like skating to where the puck is going. There was one called yeah. like the Behavioral ETF, yeah. which I was yeah. like fascinated by because my background is in neuroscience and psychology and economics, so like behavioral economics is kind of, I, I love that stuff, because we both, or the three of us know that at the end of the day, it's not really about the numbers. Like companies come and see you every day, numbers look awesome, yeah. but then they don't really deliver. And so there's like a real human aspect and an art to investing. Mm -hmm. Do you guys find that when you're, when you're meeting with companies, you're always trying to figure out what 
be what's beyond the numbers like wh- yeah. can you guys talk to that a little bit yeah absolutely so the behavioral fund i think no one can speak to a little bit more specifically is the whole danny kahneman school of thought and the whole um difference in it and like if you look at like sort of, sort of like a, probably a cheesy thing to reference but the limitless quote quote when he goes okay i analyzed all the fundamentals and i was getting minor upticks but then i went to the social aspect i went to the rumor mills right so i think like what <laughs> you have that. to what you have to understand <laughs> is like um, just like multiple uh, contraction and expansion. So pretty yeah. much like fear and greed in the market overall. Yeah. Um, and I think that this really plays into a lot in the innovators fund as well. Um, because if you have these kind of new thinkers and these, these guys that really understand these core businesses with these with understanding the roots of their investors, then you can really kind of find some pretty pretty interesting products in there, specifically within the behavioral aspect, aspect as well. That's awesome. And is that where you guys are doing the esports investing is through the Innovators Fund? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we so we have an allocation for about um, 10% in privates. Um, so we're seeing some pretty interesting deal flow on the private side, um, especially in the team space. So the whole like luminosities, reciprocities, titles, yeah. those guys are, are pretty cool. Um, so a lot of that stuff's kind of just early stage now, and I think it's really going to start to hit its, its stride as soon as these, these become uh, public trading. Yeah, so um, luminosity, like this is yeah. like I've been drumming up a lot of – uh, I, I, I own some personally. We don't work with the company, but I actually own stock. But I think that this deal, and I'd love to hear your opinion, is going to set uh, the barometer for the space because it's the first sort of almost $100 million market cap company, right. raised a lot of money. I believe it was way oversubscribed. I can't mm-hmm. confirm that, but that's what I heard through the rumor mill, as you're describing. Sure. So yeah. what do you think about, um, you don't necessarily have to talk to that deal if you don't want to, but just kind of what you think it's going to do for the market and where we are in the fear and greed sort of situation. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think you have to take everything with a grain of salt in terms of the valuation front because they're going to come out with crazy sort of like 60 or $75 million valuations off not much material revenue. Um, And you definitely have to understand what you're buying. But it's a lot what we saw early in the marijuana space in terms of a scarcity issue, Mm -hmm. right? So this one's a pretty visible sort of entry point because if you look at the space now in terms of direct investment opportunities in the Canadian space, um, you've got enthusiast gaming and then you kind of look around and you go, okay, what else is going to happen? Yeah, love Um, enthusiasts, by the way. They Former client of ours, still a shareholder. No, big fan of enthusiasts. <laughs> I'm just saying, if yeah. it's the only one out, the only game in town, then they, they have a scarcity benefit and they're multiple as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that what you're going to see is a lot of these sort of um, companies come public over the next little while, and it's going to be some some pretty interesting sort of uh, periods when they actually have to report audited financial statements. Um, so what you might see is a couple co- a couple companies rolling up together some assets with some um, uh, some solid revenue on the back end just to sort of add to add to that sort yep. of steam. Yeah. Um, but we saw it in the cannabis space. I mean, it was scarcity at the beginning beginning and there wasn't much material revenue right there, but it's going to come, right? So it's all about eyeballs in the end, all about the revenue. The revenue is going to come online, but if you're looking at public entities in the Canadian space, yeah, you've got a scarcity issue with Luminosity and EGLX, and unless you're going to China for Huyu and Duya and all these other streaming giants as direct plays in esports, right. then you, you're kind of going to have to have some patience in the, in the venture for these companies to come out over the next, call it, eight to 12 months. I love that scarcity, uh, scarcity factor, like the supply and demand. There's a lot yeah. of demand, not a lot of supply of deals, so you're gonna get premium multiple. Like you said, same thing happened in, in the cannabis space, but Nawan, I'd love to hear like, now that the numbers are rolling in and yeah. we've got, <laughs> we have quarterly financials, we have annual financials. Um, multiple compression obviously is certainly happening in the space. Um, we had like a couple of tiers, right? We kind of had the first everyone wants Canadian LPs and then everybody wants US MSOs. And then now it's like everyone wants ancillary businesses. So like, where, where are you guys at in the ecosystem? What are your thoughts? So yeah, changing really fast. And as far as scarcity goes, it's the other way now. There's just way too many names. Uh, every <laughs> other week, 
or every week, more or less, I'm getting, you know, the, the, there's somebody going public. Uh, Canaccord's done a really good job, <laughs> being told. Uh, it's becoming harder and harder to get attention, right? Absolutely. I'm over here, no one cares. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, there's just so much to invest in, and there's so many different laterals to go into. And I think the beta play will always be there. And like mm -hmm. you define the beta play, and, sorry, how we define the beta play also is it went from Canadian LPs to US MSOs. US MSOs is still very much on, but yeah. now what we're starting to see is like the ancillary startup, but yeah. not the ancillaries which would be um, sort of, uh, like Kush Bottles was an ancillary oh, that love I those think, guys. Yeah. But, but I think that ancillary never really took off because people understood that was a very much a commoditized business. Like, yep. you know, it, it's creating bottles, it, so it's their contracts and their distribution. Right. That was the real strength it's of the business. packaging and um, the bottling, right? Exactly. And it's very regulated, so they did yeah. have like an edge for a bit. So now what we're seeing is the ancillary is actually picking up in the value added products. What can you create beyond flour that's going to add value to your life, um, which is now going into CBD and you know getting all sorts of topicals for pain relief, for eczema, for arthritis. And uh, in, in addition to that, we're also seeing uh, vapes really take off at this point yep. around. Uh, and the, the reason I think vapes are really taking off is because it's a non-plant touching business. So all of a sudden, the amount of investors into this is much, much larger because a whole bunch of US uh, investors are limited and cannot invest in plant touching business. Because of the legality, morality, uh, all that stuff together. Yeah, so the legality is gonna be a big catalyst coming up. Um, it, it's probably a little bit far off uh, from uh, from how we've gauged the markets, probably about 2021, where we're gonna see a federal level legalization. Uh, before that, they're gonna be further catalysts within the SAFE Act, and you know, to give you banking, to give you cross-state commerce, right. all sorts of things. Um, but when it comes to um, uh, where the beta is going or where the puck is going, yeah. uh, yes, ancillary place is very much it, but you have to start really taking a look at Europe right about now. Yeah, and you know what? We're actually, um, so my business partner and uh, our team is going to Israel next week. And yeah. so Israel, we've got Kronos there. There's a company we're going to be working co with called Isracan. So um, Israel, I didn't even know this, and I'm part Jewish. They're like, they have the highest concentration of per capita use of cannabis in the world. They smoke a lot. Uh, I think it's because there's been a lot of war there. Maybe a lot yeah. of people want to chill out. Um, and yeah, so I think Europe is going to be big. I'm hearing rumors of, of, of a big deal that one of the independent brokerage is, is doing out of Europe as well, a big CBD deal. Um, but I had a question back on like the CBD stuff and like the oils for you. Because mm -hmm. for, for a long time, like we didn't see the oil extraction plays like really move at all. Like you had like three or four names, Labs, Valance, um, heritage and they weren't doing anything and no one was paying attention and then all of a sudden everyone's like paying attention like do you do you know why that happened did everyone just get bored of the other stuff or why did it take off all of a sudden I think it was a multiple catch-up on the cultivators and the integrated plays that actually happened and once that multiple catch-up happened everybody started looking at ancillary and value added yeah and then when you start realizing this is just a tolling play with huge margins all of a sudden everybody's eyes just opened up to the play yeah uh, you know, you can have the same sort of growth that you have in cannabis, but your capex is way lower. Your risk of you know, uh, your risk of a crop going bad, or your risk of regulation like agriculture. There's the risks are much lower because all you're doing is you're taking crop, you're testing whether or not it's good enough to go through your system. Yeah. You put it through your system and you sell it back out. It's it's a tolling play, it's a yield play, and it's got massive margins on it. So I think if the market was just a little late in catching up as yeah. to how much uh, value-added products would actually add to 
Um, one of the things I want to go back to yeah. is if we take a look at Colorado and California, which are like the mature markets, yeah. uh, you'll start seeing that, you know, they started off at about 90% flour and now they're only about 50% flour, about 35% distillate oil, and then, you know, edibles and other value added products on top. So that 35%, that's what these plays are going towards. And that's what the industry just realized all of a sudden, hey, a huge part of the market mm -hmm. is going to be in oils. People are going to want to vape instead of, uh, you know, wanting to uh, smoke cannabis. And also, uh, all these oils go into all the value-add products, like uh, all your tinctures and all your topicals, like the creams that you're going to want to Yeah, you know, I, pull, I pulled my like back that. at Barry's Boot Camp last week, and somebody gave me <laughs> a, a, uh, a bottle of CBD cream for my back for pain relief, and it really felt like menthol, you know, like that, yeah. war, like that cool Can't feeling. I don't know, it could have been placebo effect, but I was in heaven. I was just like putting it all over my back. So anyhow, I'm a big believer in, in pure CBD oil too, because uh, yeah. I know right now the availability of CBD oil like pure is really difficult to get. Uh, even on the Ontario Cannabis Store, I'm like cruising f through there and all I find are, there's still some THC in there and I just don't want any THC, so I'm not ordering anything. So I think, you know, once uh, these companies, extraction guys pump out more oil and the legislations come around, because I think there's still like edibles not legal yet right and all sort of these pure vape pen things are not not yet legal that'll yeah. be a huge 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 market now i want to shift back over to esports for a second um because we ran this poll on twitter like two weeks ago before we did this esports event and i said hey if you had a million bucks where would you invest it over the next 12 months and it was cannabis esports bitcoin and then s p 500 and basically everyone said cannabis and only like 10% or something said esports. So I got all excited because I thought, holy, holy smokes, this is like cannabis was three years ago. Um, so are we gonna see, is Purpose gonna launch an esports ETF? Like, is this gonna get that big that there's gonna be product, like product demand for this kind of investment vehicle? Right, yeah, so for sure. I mean, like we had a lot of sort of inbound um, from a couple IAs and other parties to just like, how do, how do I get involved, right? Um, so right now it's kind of at this early stage where it's it's kind of morphing into into something that's real and material. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got a couple ETFs that are out there that do offer similar sort of video game exposure products, um, but it's a little bit tricky because right now um, what dominates the space is the publishers. So you have the Activisions, the yep. Take Twos, the EAs, and it's not a direct play on esports, right? Um, so whereas you have like if you have Luminosity, Reciprocity, and all these other titles or all these other um, teams themselves going public, then it's a more direct play in the space. But I think you can uh, put together sort of a pretty solid active esports fund around something that would have the publishers and you could go sort of long short so if you think that EA is a good uh, good uh, value relative to sort of Activision because they really pioneered the free-to-play model or sort of certain nuances like that that are within the business and you can really create a, a really solid product because um, in addition to that what you have is on if you look, go to the Korean exchange they've got a whole bunch of publishers that are really really neat publishers doing mm -hmm. a lot of cool stuff um, and then on the Chinese exchange they're doing um, are actually they're publicly shared on the US through ADRs but they have this company called Huya which is a direct sort of uh, translation from Twitch mm. um, in the Chinese market because Twitch um, is not allowed, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like yeah, that so you, version. So Twitch is not in China at all. Okay. Um, okay. Instead, they have sort of um, Do You, Huya, and Panda. Well, Panda just got shut down. Um, but so these are sort of the more direct um, sort of themes that you can have in this space. And I think that if you're looking at it from like an overall content and media perspective, is what you really have to do here, right? So I think that a lot of these me big media companies are starting to pay a lot of attention to this and really start to build it out. But it's it's kind of like the Wild West 
stress right now because people are trying to figure out what, like what is this esports? How do we invo- how do we invest directly into it? And if you've got the publishers that it's like a slice of their business, is that gaming? Is that esports? Right now, it's not directly clear, but I think it will become a lot more clear in the next uh, call it yeah even eight to twelve months as you see these teams come public, these specific yeah. technology companies that are geared towards esports as they become public, then you can have a pretty stellar product to bet on the overall overall tide of the rising um, entertainment section. Because if you look at when uh, Netflix comes out and they report whatever on their quarter, they're mm-hmm. saying, hey, look, we're not concerned about competing with HBO, right? We're concerned about competing with Fortnite because Fortnite is taking all the attention. So how do you capture that attention, right? So it, it's all about creating this new media asset and this new content environment and how to sort of get behind that trend from that perspective. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think the whole Asia play, we don't give it a lot of attention here in North America, yeah, but it's sure. like massive. Like when I found out that um, uh, the guy that is behind Tencent, so his yeah. name is Pony Ma, yeah. and people are like, well, you've heard of Jack Ma from Alibaba, but have you heard of Pony Ma? Like he's yeah. actually even richer. And I was like, oh my God, this is huge. Like esports is like massive, but people don't know about it. It's not yeah. mainstream. It's not yet on the cover of Forbes magazine. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's great. I think there's going to be a need for a vehicle because navigating those waters, if you don't know what you're doing, like you're a professional investor mm-hmm. and you're digging down to these private investments and tearing them apart. Like people just don't have yeah. time for that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be even more dangerous, I think, than the cannabis space. And so far as like the revenue models we talked about before may not be as straightforward. And so Absolutely. I think it's smart, like you're describing companies that are going to kind of backfill with placing these revenue models behind the mm-hmm. sort of like upside sizzle of these companies. I exactly. think that will be great. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, and it'll be really interesting. Another one that I, I've invested in that I've heard about uh, a lot and they've been doing some great things like signing on the weekend and um, I think they have three of the biggest franchises in the world now is the uh, the Overwatch or sorry the overactive, overactive private yeah. company yep. they raised 20 million bucks and mm-hmm. like that that yeah. thing looks like a mammoth but it's private it's private you can't invest in it I don't work with them full disclosure <laughs> <laughs> yeah so no like those guys are great um, I mean like they're rolling together some pretty solid team assets so they were um, super early in terms of putting the bid together for the Overwatch League team. Yeah. Um, so I was doing some work with them in the early stages. Um, all sort of kudos to Adam and Sheldon who just kind of turned this like, oh, this might be a cool idea into yeah. what's becoming a mammoth in the esports space. Yeah, they have um, like Call of Duty. Yeah, League so they of just Legends. won the Call of Duty that they just got announced. So then they also have League of Legends um, and the Overwatch League. And they partnered up with the Kimmels who are minority interest yeah. um, of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it's all kind of like the who's who and they're getting some really great traction. Um, and they're rolling together some very interesting media assets. But again, but it's where does the revenue come online to justify some of these franchise fee costs is a little bit muddy. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to take kind of their approach and zoom out a little bit. Because like they're just kind of, even if these franchise fees are a little bit uh, inflated in, in my opinion, yeah. just think of it as a marketing cost in order to build their brand value, right? Because yeah. if they can translate their fans in between the brands and in between the games, then they've got something really special there. And because they have such a great sort of relationship with Activision, yeah. I think that's very interesting. Because then what you can do is instead of having all these franchise fees for these individual titles, it would be way more interesting if they said, hey, you have the franchise um, the franchise agreement with all of Toronto, no matter what you do next, all, on all of Activision's titles. So if I'm paying for this, whatever it is, 70 or 80, 100 million, then I get Call of Duty, I get Overwatch, I get all the different Activision titles, then you're like, okay, that completely de-risks the, the longevity sort of concern of video games. Because you're like, okay, video games are a hits business, they're hot mm-hmm. and then they're cold mm-hmm. and they're gonna mm-hmm. go out. Mm-hmm. So my problem is like, where's the terminal value, right? Because in these team games, you always have some like, 
if you've got a baseball team, you've got some bored billionaire at the end of the line who's going to just yeah. pay whatever for it, right? <laughs> yeah, because so it's an ego. It's right, an ego purchase. Right, because if you're building a DCF model out, yeah, you're like, yeah. okay, here's my exit multiple yeah, because yeah. some dude's just going to buy this, like a, a bored Bezos or Cuban or whoever it is at the end of the line. Yeah. <laughs> but will Overwatch League last 20 years? Like, I, I, I don't think so. I could be wrong, right? But right. like, if they c come in and plow back that capital into it, but that's where it gets interesting because they have sort of right of first refusal or right of first negotiation, whatever it is, on the next Activision titles, and that's where you can that's build so some long-term brand value. So it's um, it's very interesting. It's just tr it's just trying to control your cost before all that revenue comes online because it's coming. Like it, it it's definitely coming. Yeah. And the brand value build is going to get there. So what those guys are doing are is awesome, and I think they're definitely ahead uh, ahead on the curve on that front. And going back to your eyeball example, like the fact that Netflix is saying, hey. We're not worried about um, like HBO. We're worried about Fortnite. Like in the world, it's all about attention. So you're seeing yeah. like these Fortune 500 companies, whether it's Coca-Cola or whatever, spending ad dollars because they just want to be in front of those eyeballs, those lucrative eyeballs. So I think that it, all of this can be looked at as a marketing play, regardless that it's esports. It's just like we want to sell these yeah. people some stuff. So yeah. I think at the end of the day, that that makes a lot of sense. All right, guys. Well, um, you know, we're getting up to the 30 minute mark here. It's probably one of our lo longest podcasts. Um, let's talk about Grit Camp. We're going to have this uh, huge investor conference up in Muskoka where there's tons of millennials uh, who love esports and love cannabis. I'd uh, love to have you guys come and speak at it because I think on the street right now, uh, the older generations just don't get it. I think they're going to miss out on these really interesting plays because people get stuck in their ways, right? People have done the same thing over and over again, and they're reluctant to jump in. So I think you guys are the next generation, um, and I hope I hope you realize that, and you have a huge runway ahead of you. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to have you guys come down. Or I guess it's up up north to Grit Camp in July. Awesome. Sounds good. I'm there. <laughs> any, any, any parting words? Any last words? You know what? I wouldn't hate on all those old guys just as much. Yeah. Um, they, I'm going to get so much hate mail. No, just because uh, here's the thing. Everything yeah. looks beautiful in the rearview mirror right now. So, and, you know, they love checking that. So they're, they're, they're on the trade. I don't know if they're going to be in the esports trade anytime soon. But you know what? They're expanding my, uh, my multiples on my cannabis name. So yeah. way to go. Yeah, and, and I kind of back, back that up too because I mean, like, as much as we can go like into the weeds on esports or marijuana, like who like the grown up in the room at the end of the day is Craig, right? And like, and he's like, he's like, I've seen all these big. But he's busts. not old. He has no gray hair. That guy's not old. I'm oh, talking no, no, like he's just not. But what, I'm, but what I'm saying is like, it's it's yeah. terms of experience, right? Yeah, like he's yeah. seen this before, yeah. right? And you have to understand how these how these 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 individual companies are raising money, mm -hmm. and you have to understand the boom and bust cycle. So you have to, like, although these are new themes, yeah. it's, it's not a new market trend right no. so like these are ex like exploding at exponential growth sure but yeah. like we've seen this before like we've seen this with gold we've seen it it's a similar risk i was profile, gonna say right? so mining companies like yeah, mining yeah. exploration it's like here let's get this drill rig and go drill a bunch of properties and maybe one of them will be a lottery ticket well it's the same thing with some of these teams it's the same approach so it's just risk capital right. looking for a lottery ticket and hopefully backfilling that with some safety uh, some revenue to, yeah. to kind of like, you know, backfill valuation. So, no, I completely agree. And the big check writers are still guys over their, in their 60s. But, um, yeah, so anyways, I, I totally respect those guys too. My, my dad's actually still managing money. And uh, he comes to all my events and he, he t brings a piece of paper and asks questions and he's yeah. really into the whole thing still. So no ageism here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks guys. Um, and uh, we will uh, we'll have you guys on again and we'll see you in Muskoka. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Hey! 
Thank you for listening to the GritCast podcast. Tune in every Sunday for new episodes.